Good morning. And now on RTHK, it's time for Letter to Hong Kong with legislator Joseph Lee, representing the functional constituency of health services. The following program is a personal view program. Austin Diary. You're almost six months old now. The social movements that trigger by the anti-extradition bills have knocked the city for more than 24 weeks and still show no signs of abating. The Carrie Lam's regime keep ignoring the public's opinion. Not only did she fail to respond to the public's five demands, even worse, on the 4th of October, Carrie Lam invoked the Emergency Regulations Ordinance, that is ERO, imposing an anti-mask law, that is the prohibition on face covering regulation, to ban wearing of masks in public gatherings. The regime claims that the new anti-mask law could create a deferring effect against master protesters and would assist police in its law enforcement. Ironically, ever since the regulations come into force on the 5th of October, so far in the past six weeks, it just allowed the police to legitimize the indiscriminate arrests of more young protesters and to intimidate the press at the forefront without a sound reason. On the contrary, what actually happened is that the anti-mask law has stirred up the sentiments of both the peaceful, rational and non-violent protesters and the fighters' group as well. As a result, the outcome of invoking the ERO does not correspond with the regime's claims deferring effect. It only escalates a citywide revolution. The implementation of the anti-mask law is indeed a total failure. In the past few months, it's crystal clear that Kerry Lam's regime, in the name of stopping the storm and restoring order, makes every attempt to condone police brutality. That is, allowing excessive and disproportionate use of force on protesters, tolerating tortures and cruel treatments of detainees, depriving human rights of the arrest, and even worse, acknowledging shooting of the unarmed at close range without warning. In addition, under the connivance of the incapable regime, the police is overtly authorized to treat and distort truth and to justify wrongdoings with victim blaming. Indeed, through the police, Carrie Lam's regime is dehumanizing brutality and generating chaos instead of restoring peace and social order. We, health professionals, are particularly heartbroken. It is noted that police brutality has been extended to healthcare awareness. The intrude into hospital wards to search and arrest protesters without notifications. Hence, not only daily clinical operations are being interfered, patients' rights and privacy are being undermined, and personal safety of healthcare workers are being threatened as well. Besides, in the past weeks, the police indiscriminate arrests and rights against the protesters start to include voluntary first aiders as well. While delivering emergency services to protesters, the first aiders are unexpectedly being pepper sprayed, hit by tear gas, or even being arrested. Recently, it is reported that the back of a first aider is being burned by tear gas badly. The situation is utterly unbearable. With the arrests and injury of first aiders, Emergency rescue services could not be able to provide to those wounded protesters immediately, and on-site treatment is therefore compromised and unnecessarily delayed. Moreover, it is noted that the arrested protesters who are being sent to hospitals have been suffering from various degrees of injuries inflicted by the police. 
It is also not uncommon receiving complaints from protesters that their requests for medical attentions are unreasonably being denied or even ignored. Obviously, such malicious acts of the police is absolutely against the humanitarian principles. In addition, it is also disappointed seeing that the management of some hospitals are not able to protect their patients and staff interests by allowing white terror spread over hospitals. Whistleblowing of patients' identity to facilitate arrests, discouraging colleagues who are out of their official working hours to attend political gatherings within the hospital complex, and tearing down of dental wards, which have no effect on daily operations, becomes phenomenal in some hospitals. With that, regrettably, the public is overwhelmed by perception that hospitals are no longer a safe place for receiving treatments. Consequently, it is sad to see that some of the injured protesters who were scared that their identity could be unnecessarily being revealed choose not to seek comprehensive medical interventions in hospitals, but to go to underground clinics only. Hence, professional healthcare services could sadly be compromised. Is Hong Kong still a safe and healthy city? In October, a survey on mental health level of Hong Kong people conducted by the Chinese University indicated that an average score of 46.41 was recorded, which is the lowest since the annual survey on Hong Kong's mental health was launched in 2012. The survey also reported that in 2018, around 80% of respondents said that their mental health was negatively affected by social disputes. But in 2019, that figure more than doubled to 41%. Experts warned that the protests, which have lasted for more than five months, could trigger a mental health crisis. Besides, early on, a survey also found that 55.5% of respondents aged 15 to 24 and 49% of respondents aged 25 to 34 believe that the current social disputes have a very large or significant negative impact on their mental health status. The survey reveals that People are feeling helpless, despair, and distress. In addition, recently, according to the OASIS, a counseling center for staff operated by the hospital authority, there is a surge of hospital staff seeking counseling services as the social movement goes on. A total of 1,651 staff attendance for the one-to-one counseling sessions is recorded from June to September. A 50% increase in the caseload per month is also noted in July, August and September. The centre found that most of these cases are worried about the situation in the city and issues on safety. Others are related to staff experiencing emotional distress and feeling hopeless and helpless. As to the causes, most of them are mainly resulted from different views or stands on politics between colleagues and anger or agonies towards the incapable government or the use of violence. At this moment of time, you may feel helpless and frustrated, but we should not become hopeless. Few weeks ago, I was touched by a patch that some volunteer first aiders make declaration to themselves before going to the forefront. Having revised the few things a bit, I would like to share with you as below. First aiders and health professionals, whether we are at the forefront or in hospitals, we will uphold the principle of humanitarianism. Despite the background, occupation, race and social status of the injured, 
We will treat and care everyone equally and do no harm. We will exercise our professionalism with integrity and dignity. Though we may under tremendous pressure or even coercion, we will not abuse our professional knowledge and skills to hurt our patients and violate human and civil rights. We will serve our patients with determination, professionalism and appropriate treatment. We will safeguard our patients' interests and privacy with no whistleblowing. We will observe the pledge solemnly and autonomously. It is understood that many people in Hong Kong may be traumatized now, be it physical or psychological, and our home, Hong Kong, is in agony. We, health professionals, should stay tough, safe and be vigilant, make every attempt to support Hong Kong recover and keep moving forward. Love, Uncle Joe.